Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into another edition of College Golf Talk. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you. We took the week off last week, Brentley. We had a fair bit on our plate with the Players' Championship, but we're back and have a special guest joining us momentarily, Mike Small, head coach of Illinois. But, uh, I don't know, maybe absence makes the heart grow fonder. Everyone might have been clamoring for us last week, and now they're going to double up here this week, perhaps? Yeah, Burko, I, I definitely missed you last week, but good job. Uh, the weather reports, uh, the best best weather reports of the week last week. Uh, well, it's, it sets the scene for the day when the wind's <laughs> coming out of five different directions, five different days. But we got to go deep on Scotty Scheffler and Ben Griffin as well. Some pretty good stories in those early shows. Yeah, just just trying to get this episode in. My wife's got a hair appointment at about noon, uh, trying to get the baby to sleep. So fingers crossed that, uh, you know, once we do the back end of this podcast, we don't have any crying and I got to go take her out of the crib. But hey, she might make her first appearance on College Golf Talk. So that might be a plus. Why wouldn't we? Uh, We'll recap what's happened in the past couple of weeks after our special guest. We're not going to waste any more time and bring in Mike Small, the head men's golf coach from Illinois. I know they're out in the desert in Arizona. They're getting ready for a tournament here in the coming days. But Mike, always good to catch up. We appreciate you taking some time uh, to join us on this week's edition. And I guess as an overview what is your assessment of your team in particular after picking up another win in Vegas a few weeks ago against one of the strongest fields you'll see all season long? Always great to talk to you guys. It's always great to see you. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. And it's been a good run for us really this, this year. You know, last year we had more or less the same team. Took our lumps last year, had some good finishes and and not so many good ones, but learned. And this year I think we're implementing the, the learning curve that we had and, um, yeah, we had a good fall, won a couple times, and then the spring to come out early in the spring and I think shoot 36 under par and 22 under par in the first two events. Um, some good fields, beat some good teams, but as a coach, I like to see the low scores. I like to see the guys uh, come out and be on point and play golf the way it should be played early in the year, not playing from fear and having control of their ball flight and control of their golf shots. And then the you know, like I said, to finish it off, and um, it feels good. We're still searching. We're still getting better. I think we can get better. But to come out on point like that, to come out with the energy and the the enthusiasm and the um, the accountability so far is just, has, has been really good. You touched on a few things, Mike, but from a year ago to now, 
and we hear coaches say it and players say it, they continue to learn. You've been doing this for quite some time. What do you want to see young, new players learn that a year or two later when it matters, you might be able to say, ah, they finally figured it out? Well, I think they learn about themselves and how they kind of roll with the game and how they kind of go with the game together. I think when you're a younger player, you fight the game a lot. You try to play the game maybe the way somebody's told you to play it or the way you've kind of seen it done by other people. And I think the more you play and the more you compete, the more you handle adversity and the successes, you learn how to uh, what works for you. And that's what makes coaching great is that you coach you know every player differently, really. Everybody plays the game differently in their mind and and um, it, it, it may look like they play it, you know, s- simple and, 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 and similar um, physically, but inside they all play it differently. And so to have guys grow and think about how they played on days they didn't play well and what they didn't do right and then to assess and then to have the courage to change, I think is a big deal. So the younger players, you know, there is a correct way to, to attack certain pins. And there's a, a, cur- a sorry, you know, correct way to handle leads or play from behind, but um, how guys handle that inside is a big deal. And I think our guys are getting better and we have, we have an older team. This is my oldest team I think I've ever had. So there's some maturity there that they've learned over the years. And we have some good youth. That's, uh, that's got some skill too. That's, uh, that's kind of learning, like I just mentioned and, and kind of coming into their own. So I think the recipe is pretty good for a solid year. And, um, but I guess to answer your question, it's, it's, it's all individual, it's fall from your experiences. It's how you handle those. Sometimes you got to be tough in yourself. Sometimes you're not. You don't have to be. Sometimes you got to be encouraging. And I think that's what the guys have done. Now, Mike, I'm not going to ask you about your most immature team since you said this is the most mature. But fourth ranked, <laughs> fourth ranked in the country, um, pretty dang good. Uh, the, maybe a little bit better than I had you guys tapped coming into the season. Uh, but exceeding expectations is always a great thing. Now, you guys are going to see some really good teams this weekend at the NIT uh, Arizona's event, but First, you're on spring break. You're already in Arizona. I want to know what the itinerary is and if you guys are getting over to uh, Greyhawk to check that out before you hopefully get back there in a few months. Yeah, I guess I should have said, you know, this is one of my older teams. It's not necessarily the most, most mature, yeah. apparently. I'll tell you, if you see us day to day, it's not necessarily the most mature. But uh, there's, some, there's, some, um, there's, some, there's some experience here. Um, yeah, this week we're in, we're in Tucson for the NIT, which I think is one of the best college events in the country. Um, it's a great time of year for us. We're on spring break, so we're gone together for for seven days, almost eight days in a row. So that maturity thing we're talking about is a big deal for the coach, <laughs> being around these guys for eight days. Um, if they're not being very very mature, it's a slow eight days. But uh, but we spent three or four days in uh, in Scottsdale playing golf. We did stop at Greyhawk yesterday. The course looks great. It's fabulous. It's going to be obviously a lot faster, um, firmer, and it's going to be warmer when we get back there and, uh, at the end of May. But it looked great. A uh, few other teams out there playing as well. Um, but we played other golf courses, made some contacts with some donors and some uh, alumni and saw them. And But um, just, just playing golf, you know, being from Illinois, you know, one of the things people always talk about, one of the, one of the uh, negatives, I guess you could say, if you want to approach it that way, is we can't get out and really play much quite yet. And uh, um, that's what's made our first two events pretty special to come out and, and win. Um, with that situation, but to come out and just play some golf, just just knock it off and just keep playing and playing and playing. And today will be an off day, though, because it's an optional day. I don't think you should play golf six, seven, eight days in a row. It kind of gets a little old. So we want to peak, comf- you know, we want to be rested and be fresh for this uh, Friday and Saturday's event. So today's an optional day. Some guys are going to play a few holes. Some guys are going to practice. 
just chill out, have a nice, nice dinner tonight. And then tomorrow's the official practice round and we'll get after it and then fly home on Sunday. So I guess the method is just come out and play a lot of golf, see where your game is, um, get better every day. Like we always talk about, see, see Greyhawk and then come out here and try to compete for another win. I think it's easy to avoid rust when you have the practice facility that you guys do, um, which I've dubbed. I haven't been there yet, but I've dubbed it Smallville. I think that's a perfect (laughs) nickname for it. Uh, But speaking of of Greyhawk, um, this is the third and and final year before we go over to La Costa for the NCAA championship. What what have you what's kind of stood out the most about Greyhawk as a championship venue that maybe separates it from courses that you see throughout the regular season? And then I guess the second part of that question is, what do you think is kind of the best test in terms of regular season venues that you've seen that kind of gets people ready for Greyhawk? Well, I've I've been on record when we first decided to come out here and play three consecutive years in the desert. I wasn't a big fan of it. I wanted the national championship to be around the country in different places, and I still feel that way. I think it should be represented nationally. Um, But to play golf in the desert didn't didn't strike a chord with me uh, to do it three years in a row. But then we came out here two years ago for the first year and qualified, and we ended up making the match play portion. But I was so impressed. I was so um, I, I I stood corrected at that time that the course. Um, that I thought the course wasn't going to be a great venue for, but it was. It was fantastic. It was. It uh, it separated the players the way the course was set up. The, it, it didn't play as long as probably some other national championships can play, but the difficulty, the way the, the the thinking of it, you know, the speed of it, the greens was fantastic. And I think that year the top eight teams in the rankings all made match play. I think is what it was. So it, that year it, it it did identify the best teams, and it was a test. And I stood corrected. And um, you know, last year was the first year, what, 14 years or 13 years we didn't make it back. So um, I can't comment on that. But we're excited about this year. I think it's a great venue. I think it turned out to be an awesome place that separates the teams. you got to bring your game. you got to bring your emotional stability. you got to bring your focus to play that golf course. So I think it's great. Um, as for your question, during the season, what tournaments um, are great. I think every tournament has a different purpose, at least for our program it does, and I try to schedule that way. Sometimes you want to go play an easier course. Sometimes you'll play a harder course. Sometimes you'll play different conditions um, in weather and try to get different weather conditions. Sometimes you'll play different grasses. Sometimes you'll play a field where you should win, where you should go and you should be the favorite and how to handle those expectations. And sometimes you want to go play the toughest field you can, and if you play well, you still can't win. Um, there's there everything in between, but you know, I'm kind of biased. Our, our event at Olympia Fields has traditionally had one of the top two or three best fields in the country in September. Um, and then we just left Las Vegas last week, Southern Highlands, which had a great field, too. And um, there's so many good ones. Um, you know, Cabo, I hear, is a great event. I've never been there. Um, but they're all over, Brentley. And I think every coach has a different perspective, at least I would think, every a different perspective every week or a different goal he wants to, to accomplish. So that when you get to the regional championship, you've seen it all. Um, and then when you get to nationals, you can say you've seen it all, and the guys continue to grow. Two of the best lines I've ever heard, Mike, covering college golf for nearly a quarter of a century is from you, that your program is a blue-collar team in a white-collar sport, and every one of your kids graduate with a Ph.D. They play like they're poor, <laughs> hungry, and with determination. That's what your kids get from you. What have you gotten from your kids over the past 20-some-odd years that have maybe changed your philosophies on coaching? 
Well, that's a good question. I appreciate you saying that because that's something I think you should have in all walks of life. You should have that every day you get up, but especially in the game of golf because golf is not a fair game. I mean, it's not supposed to be fair. It's not supposed to be easy. It tests you, and if you don't meet it head on with those descriptions you just commented about and going into it and respecting it and understanding that anything can happen and to play from a position of um, of strength but with a chip on your shoulder is an important deal. Um, I've learned a lot from the kids. I tell you what um, – you know, they're just good people. They're good people. They they want to be coached. They want to be uh, they want to be taught. Um, but I think if you ask all coaches, we do learn from things. We, we learn from them too. I I, I just it's just um, I can't go on to give you anything in particular or specific. But my my um, my belief in youth of America is still strong. And you know, you go out in public and you hear things about how the country's changing and how kids are different. I tell you, you see my guys and you see guys in other teams, um, the way they treat people, the way they want to be coached, the way they, they, a lot of these kids want to be coached hard too. And they don't really, they don't really admit that or say that when they first get to school, but if they want to be good and they have respect for the program and respect for what they're hearing, they want to be coached hard. So I think that toughness factor is there that a lot of people don't see out of the, out of the youth in America anymore. So I think, I, I think there is, a, it's that it's in there. And I think they want to be they want to be um, enveloped and, and engulfed in a in a in a culture that that demands a lot from them. I think I think as a society and as, as sports teams, we can demand more from these kids. They're tougher than people give them credit for, and I think that's something that um, that I've seen. And then obviously the respect factor goes behind that. If they don't have respect for the program or authority or or just a vision, um, they're not going to buy into it. So I think my kids have had the respect, and I think that comes from the parents, and it comes from. Um, um, you know, how they were brought up, but that's, that, that's given me the ability to, to love my job and to, to dive in and, and give them all what you have because they want to receive it back. I think that's pretty cool. You've never wavered from your philosophy on that. And I respect you immensely for staying true to that without naming names. Has there ever been a situation where you wanted a kid, he wanted to come to you, but he didn't check those boxes in terms of the respect factor and buying into the culture where ultimately you said, we're going to pass or here's the door. Does it ever get to that tough love point where sometimes you realize I recruited the wrong kid? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, the recruiting process is the most important part of college athletics. Um, you get to, you get to control your team. You get to invite it to be on your team, whoever you want. And so um, they have to, obviously they make the final decision. They have to make that, you know, they're the final sayer in who in where they go to school, but, um, you have to be sure you're getting the right people. And, and again, mistakes are made in all walks of life. And, and a lot of kids, you know, a lot of times you make mistakes and they turn out to be all Americans. And you think, oh, you I mean, you think you're making a mistake when they get there. And then, but then they turn it around and they, and they, they, like I said, they embrace the culture that's happened. Um, but it's, it's funny though, you know, it's, it's an inexact science, but it's the most important thing. And I think, any coach can tell you when, when, when a young man makes an official visit, that's not a guarantee of an offer. I think you got to spend time together, two, two days together nonstop to see how you coexist. Now, the majority of the time that works pretty well, but sometimes it doesn't. And that's not a, a slight on the recruit or a slight on, 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 on the program that's recruiting that recruit. It's just it's got to match. And that's an important part. To your point, that's something that's very important that has to be taken seriously. Um and then, you know, but but it, but but you know, there's been times when I've wanted players. I've wanted players really badly. And I didn't get them. They didn't come to Illinois, which happens a lot. I mean, that just happens a lot in college athletics. They don't come. 
And then you, you'd get your second choice or your third choice to come play. And your second or third choice turns out to be better than the one you missed. That's that old country song, you know, thank, thank God for unanswered prayers. And, uh, you know, you, you want somebody so bad and then all of a sudden you don't get them. But then the player that fills their spot ends up better. So it's an inexact science. You just stay true to who you are. You stay true to the program. You don't sacrifice your, your standards for anything. Um, nobody's bigger than the program. I think that's a huge, a huge philosophy that people have to stick with. And, and, and if that happens, generally good things will happen. Kids will, they will all graduate. They'll be successful in life. They may not all be, may not all be great in golf, but they're going to be successful if they're around people that, um, that care about them and keep them accountable and they're on the same page. And to your point, it can, they can change. Um, it can change either way, but, um, you got, you, you got to you know, stay true to yourself and the kids have to buy in. Now, some people listening to this podcast might know, um, but others might not. You're still a really good player. Um, have you beaten your your uh, players on the golf course this year, or do you have any good stories about maybe beating uh, Peters or Hardy or hurting their feelings <laughs> a little bit? Well, I am getting older, Brentley. I'm just, I'm 57 years old now, so it's getting tougher and tougher. But you got the um, dining power now. You can beat anybody. Yeah, there you go. Now you're on it. You're exactly right. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, it, it, that's a tough thing to, to talk about because uh, I get beat pretty good now, but I have my moments, you know, another, what's another saying, you know, you're not as good as, you're not as good as, not as good as you once were, but you're as good once as you ever were. That's my motto, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's my motto on the golf course. And, uh, I have my moments, but, uh, we played this week and I had a couple, couple of bright spots. I think I was, I might've been low tied for low the first day, but then I got beat up pretty good the second day. So. Um, Whoa. Are we talking about 60 to 65, 66? No, 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 no. I mean, I shot 71. I think I shot 100. But uh, again, we're just knocking the rust off. Maybe the guys weren't serious, but I want them to beat me. I t- honestly, if they're beating me, and uh, that, that means I'm doing my job. If guys are becoming all Americans and guys are whooping up on me and they're ready to play professional golf, then I've done my job. And I think that's a. Uh, I, I win either way. If I beat them, I win. And if I lose, I'm doing my job. Now, you were college teammates with Steve Stricker. First off, is it still a little weird that he's both a Wisconsin and an uh, Illinois fan? Is that still something that <laughs> you guys give him a hard time about? It, it is weird, but um, but he grew up a Wisconsin Badger fan. He came to Illinois. I think he's a Wisconsin Badger fan, but he's a huge Illinois golf fan. Obviously, he supports us and helps us. And he's been one, you know, my best, one of my best friends for a long, long time. And uh, he's an Illinois fan as well. But, um, you know, it's, it's in his blood to grow up, and you can't take that away from him. And, uh, but he's, he's a big Illinois fan. We talk about it. We keep in touch about it. And, uh, and he follows our program. Matter of fact, he played with us a few weeks ago uh, at Streamsong. We went down for a practice trip, and he came out and saw the guys and, and, uh, and caught up with them, which, which was fun for the team. And uh, we're so proud of Strick, though, what he's done his career. It's, just, it's, it's, it's legendary. Obviously, the, the Ryder Cup captain is, I, I think, the highest honor you can get in the game of golf uh, to be selected as that. And, uh we're part of them, and uh, you know, final line of golf, it's all over. Him. Your day is still coming as Ryder Cup captain. I'm still <laughs> trying to push that uh, narrative. But uh, a, a few years ago, I, we sat down at Isleworth. You told a great story about how maybe you and Strix didn't always get along as as teammates. That podcast got lost in the ether because of COVID. Season got canceled. I'm giving you a chance to to retell kind of some of the good, uh, juicy stories between you and Strix kind of maybe butt heads a little bit. Well, the juicy ones, you can't really tell. And we're not going to go there. <laughs> PG but, um, 
we had a great time in college. No, we, we didn't really butt heads. We, it, it was, it, we got along, we got along great. We both wanted to win. Um, I, he made me better. I tell people I would never play the PGA tour as an exempt member. If I hadn't been a teammate of Steve Strickers because he made me better. I saw what golf, what good golf was and played him every day. But I think our competitiveness maybe butted heads once in a while. I mean, you're around each other for three, four months. It just wasn't strict. It was all of us. I think that the, the whole point of that, of that story was, you know, in, in a golf team, you're, you're close. You're like brothers. And do brothers fight? Do brothers bicker? Do brothers get on each other's nerves? Yes. But then the next day, you're back, you know, you're back hugging each other again. So we had our, we had our moments where there's wrestling matches in the rooms and Phones are getting pulled off the wall and cords are getting broken. And, um, but then the next day you're, you're arm in arm, locking arms, trying to win a tournament together. So, um, I learned a lot from those days. Our golf coach at the time, Ed Beard, wasn't a trained golfer, but he was a competitor and he was a baseball player. And, uh, um, you know, he brought a lot of that competitiveness to us and a lot of that, um, um, I guess positive sarcasm when you're playing poorly. And, uh, I got a lot of that. I got a lot of that back in the day. My nickname when I played poorly was Schmaltz. They called me Schmaltz when I played bad, which they knew got under my skin. So I won one of the biggest college events in the country my last year. I came out of nowhere and won the thing. And I was leading going to the last round. And I said, guys, if I win this, can you stop calling me Schmaltz? And they all agreed. Well, I went and won the stinking thing. But it still continued like, you know, like, like brothers do. And then back to seeing Strick three weeks ago. You know, we're, we're down in stream song. The team's there. And he comes up and sees me. And. Give him a big hug, and the first thing he says, "Schmaltz, how you doing?" I'm like, "There you go, there you go again." <laughs> I got, got one more thing now, Mike. Just I got, got a, the photo with the hat, and now I got Schmaltz. I know he just got to stick it in there. You know, it's just it's we're all brothers. You're 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 unconditionally there's unconditional love. You 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 you're, you're if, if they need you, you're there, and that's the way our team is right now. If you need us, we're there. I'll go across the world for a guy tomorrow if he needs me, but. At the same point in time, your brothers, you needle each other, you have a little fun, and I think that's 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 pretty sporty. So much has changed uh, during your tenure at Illinois, but in recent years, NIL, the transfer portal, um, where do you stand on the, the pros and cons uh, of those two, especially in the last couple of years? I, Burko, I see, I see both. I see both. I understand both. It's changed college athletics. It's changed golf. Coaching, honestly, probably isn't as fun as it used to be uh, with the transfer portal and with with um, with all the NIL stuff. You spend more time on things that aren't golf. I think when I first started coaching, I would tell somebody that maybe 30 35% of a coach's job in, co- in go- college is golf, actual specific golf, because you're the CEO of the program. You're doing everything. Um, you're equipment manager. You're a salary cap managing the guy, you know, the general manager, you're the travel agent, your transportation, everything. Well, now when you put in NIL and you put in the, the, the portal, it's a whole nother aspect of it. So your, your, your time spending on the golf course goes down even more. Um, I get it. I understand why they're there. Um, NIL, I'm a believer in NIL. I think if, if you're an American, you can, you can, you can um, profit off your name, image, and likeness. You should be allowed to do so. But if it takes time and effort and mind power and, energy away from your academics or from golf, I think is a distraction. Um, it's just, it, you know, anything that takes away from the value of an education, I think um, it's not a good situation. It's not a good thing. And if NIL can stay in its little corner, I think it's okay. But when it starts encroaching on, on the, on the, on the sport and your academics, I think that's a dangerous, a dangerous slippery slope. Um, but I get, but things evolve, things go, I mean, right. Big news this week about the golf ball. I mean, everything's evolving in the game. Everything's changing. 
as people, we have to learn to evolve, but I don't think you should learn, you should lose contact with the past. So I think there's a, there's a tough line there that people have to have to figure out and uh, hopefully leaders to be in the NCAA and in the, in the world of golf can always remember that. What's your quick reaction on the potential rollback moving forward? I get it. Um, I've always said that I think, how do you, how, how do you have a sport when you can't see the ball anymore when you play a sport if you go if you hit it out of sight how do you how's out of the sport if you can't that's see just the ball getting older, Mike. Well, well that's may have maybe something to it too but um i get that you know i mean it's so how, how do you do that but and it's always kind of cool to see you see baseball i mean baseball's got the same stadiums from 100 years ago they're still being played i think that's pretty cool to see that but i also understand that it's a money money's involved and business involved and things grow and the game evolves, like we mentioned. So there's a there's a there's a fine line you have to match between keep getting better and growing the game, but also losing touch with the past. And honestly, if you hit a golf a golf shot in golf or any sport that you're playing with playing with the ball and you can't see it land, you don't know where it, where it went. How is that a sport? I think I think sometimes it's getting too far where you just hit it in a direction and you go find it. I, I think you should be able to see the ball land. That's an interesting perspective. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll circle back in a few years to see if this ever, you know, takes full traction on the PGA Tour and what impact it might have uh, for you guys as well. Before we let you run, March Madness kicks off in earnest tomorrow. Give us a thought. How far can Illinois go? Are they a sneaky mid, uh, mid-range team that can maybe make it to the second weekend or beyond? I think they're very sneaky. Our team's very excited to see them play. You know, we've beaten what a one a one seed and a, a couple two seeds this year. And uh, early, we beat UCLA. We beat Texas. Um, Brad Underwood's a supporter of our program. is a big golfer. I've become very good friends with Brad. I think he's one heck of a coach. And I think, looking at it, he's kind of built this team for the postseason. The last couple of years, we were number one seed and I think a four seed and got beat early. So I think the Nate, the, the the balance of the team, the way the team plays now, is a lot faster. Uh, a lot of a lot of medium sized guys that get after it, and I think that's more conducive for the NCAA tournament. So I think, in the back of their minds, they think they have a pretty good shot. They think they like their seed. They got Arkansas and Kansas the first two games that they can maybe get to the Sweet Sixteen. I think I think they have a chance against those teams. But it's a different build this year. It's a different looking roster. And keep your fingers crossed. I like it. Mike Small, always a pleasure. Great to catch up. Enjoy the rest of your uh, time in the desert. Uh, Continued success to you and the team, uh, and can't wait to see you guys at Greyhawk in a couple of months. Well, thank you guys for having me on, but also thanks for your support of college golf. That's one thing that's changed a lot since I've been coaching is the coverage, the national championship, golf channel, the interest behind the sport, the rankings. It's, it's, It's been awesome, and you guys are a big part of that, so I appreciate that a lot, guys. Uh, likewise, two-way street, couldn't do it without you. Mike Small, head men's golf coach from Illinois. We will continue to keep an eye on them throughout the course of the spring. Uh, truly one of the greats, doesn't sugarcoat it, tells you, for the most part, exactly what's on his mind. And uh, it's uh, just a few of the reasons why we like uh, hanging around with Mike Small uh, and thank him for Joining us on College Golf Talk, which, of course, Brentley is brought to you by Velocity Global. They seamlessly connect employers and talent, anyone, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Its global work platform is built on cloud-based technology, compliance expertise, and unmatched scale in 185 countries in all 50 United States. 
The world of work, it is forever changed. Talent can live anywhere, work for anyone and get the job done. And more than 1,000 businesses engage top talent in another state or country without the need to set up a foreign entity or registration. And they rely on Velocity Global to make it simple and compliant. They are accelerating the future of work. If you'd like to learn more, visit VelocityGlobal.com slash golf. VelocityGlobal.com slash golf. Love Mike Small. Didn't even want to go there because we know he'd deflect it. But is this the year? Or if it's another 10 years before he retires and they don't get it done. And he'll be the first. He said it. Golf owes you nothing. It's not fair. His oh, his blueprint for golf is my blueprint in life that I hope to pass on to my seven and nine year old. Nothing comes easy. Nothing comes free. If you're afraid to work, you're doing the wrong thing. There's no free rides when you go to Champagne, and I think that's what I respect the most. The only difference is you don't get to recruit your kids. You're you're just. You're, you're giving I, them. Some, well, some days I'd like to put them into the portal and see what I could swap <laughs> out. Uh, but I, that could get me in some some major problems. Um, Speaking of kids, we, we have the baby monitor now. And she's asleep. Right. And it's 70, 70 degrees in her room. It's perfect. And, well, and it's a chilly day in uh, Florida for this time of the year. 55 degrees, which I love. Um, yeah, excellent. A little change like, up. Kind of like champagne. Yeah, almost, almost. Uh, took last week off, so Cabo, big results, big win for Vandy, Wells-Williams individually. When Gordon Sargent is your third highest Commodore finisher inside the top 10, boy, they just sort of keep solidifying that spot of them in North Carolina, the two teams have beaten. Right now in the middle of March, Vandy's, they're the best. Yeah, And that could change next week. Right now, Vandy, best team in the country. Yeah, and I think they beat nine top 25 teams in that field. I mean, as Mike Small said, I mean, Cabo Collegiate, even though he's never played, I mean, that's a you know one of the handful top five, six regular season events of the season. So definitely a really good litmus test for where Vandy is right now. And with Wells Williams, their freshman, didn't play at all in the fall. He's played three times in the spring. I think he's up. He's t- ranked top 10 in golf start right now because his divisor's low. He's got to win now. Um, if he can play like maybe Scott Limbaugh thought he could when he recruited him, because this is an AJGA All-American, um, kind of hurt his wrist playing basketball, broke his finger, junior of high school kind of set him back. But he, he was a really highly rated prospect. And if he's going to be in the lineup now, I mean, I think it's a good problem to have because Vandy is, they're so deep and, you know, the advantage, I think people always say that when you have a deep team, it's, they're harder to coach because you got to hurt people's feelings because, you know, you got a guy like in Vandy's case, you got a senior like William Mall who hasn't been in the lineup and has barely played as an individual this spring. So you got to hurt some feelings, but at the end of the day, when you get toward the end of the season, you have more shots at having five guys playing at a high level. And I think that's what Vanderbilt has right now with Wells Williams, Gordon Sargent. I think Scott Limbaugh said it was the best performance out of his team this year. So certainly he likes the way that they're trending. Cole Sherwood didn't have a a great tournament, but uh, he's the type of player who can turn it around. But I I think this is the most impressive um, that I've seen Vanderbilt and, 
not to take away from any of the other teams, but this is uh, this is a scary team. Yeah, scary good. Let them keep rolling. Uh, be intriguing to watch them. Come Greyhawk, other events, General Hackler, East Tennessee State, a uh, little late rally to take down uh, Virginia, the Cavaliers. Auburn was third, South Carolina ninth, UNF 13th. That's North Florida, Ben James right in the mix. So we're starting to get to this point. You're a month away from the postseason in terms of conference championships. And then you also have to start looking at the 500 rule. Does someone to me need to make a late charge to even have a chance to get a regional bid? And I'm, I'm actually pulling up the sheet right now, but uh, I think this is a big moment for Jake Amos' squad, uh, East Tennessee State. I mean, very very international flavor to their lineup, but they have some really good players like Mont, Mont's Edge just co-meddled with Ben James at the General Hackler. This is one of the best mid-major teams or programs in the country the last half decade or so. I mean, they made it to Greyhawk. Um, I believe they made it two year, two of the past three uh, three attempts, but um, a, a team that that certainly has the ability to beat you know some of the best Power Five teams in the country, which they did. I mean, they beat an Auburn team that was ranked number one after the fall. But going through the five hundred sheet now, I I have it up. Um, Georgia two under, just going to rattle off some notables. Arkansas eight eight under five hundred right now. Um, Kentucky nine under, Clemson six under, and I don't know where these teams slot in golf stat, but I would assume they would be either inside the bubble or just outside. SMU three under, Oklahoma State seven under. That that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on because their schedule is not easy. They got to play a Big Twelve championship still, and that counts. But other than that, I mean that and Wake Forest of course seven under. So all these teams. They're a tournament away. And I go back to what Mike Small said earlier on this podcast where he likes to kind of switch it up and schedule some different things. Those those events that they should win, I call them the 500 rule tournaments because those are tournaments that you play to try to get a bunch of wins. So, um, And I don't know how many of those teams have any more 500 rule tournaments left on their schedule. So they're going to have their work cut out for them. That's something we can monitor uh, over these next few weeks. But um you know, college golf, there's, there, there's so many wrinkles to it, right? It's like, it's such a confusing sport. And we speaking of bifurcation, I mean, this college golf is bifurcated within itself with six count five and five count four and the big 10 women play six count four. I mean, you know, it, it's just match play, stroke play, all of these things. Um, 500 rolls, just another part of that, but um, it'll be interesting when the women get it too. Um, that first year, I think we could see some growing pains. That'll be fun. Oregon and Owen, uh, Owen Averett win at Bandon Dunes. Kansas State takes down I love Ohio that guy. State. Cincinnati, Owen, I like the look. Cincy, uh, Notre Dame finished seventh. That was at the Johnny O at Sea Island that Rutgers was a part of. Uh, Florida State wins by a million. Uh, Texas <laughs> A&M uh, wins the Louisiana Classics uh, by 11. Quickly touching on some women's events. Stanford, they won the Julie Engster without Rachel Heck and Brooke Say, as we sort of danced around and alluded to. We 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 knew Rachel Heck was going to have surgery. You did a good job on that, but we had to let her announce that on her own terms. So uh, we wish her a speedy recovery. Uh, by every indication, Brooke Say will be back in the lineup sooner rather than later. Um, they're still the team to beat. Maybe the gap has closed. 
Texas A&M winning the Clover Cup. Uh, that was in the desert, I believe. So, again, these teams trying to go out to Arizona and get some desert golf experience. SMU wins the Briars Creek. So um, we're getting there. We're pushing it. We're, again, just a few weeks out from really having everything take shape for a postseason run. Annika Award, Haskins Award, Roseanne, Gordon Sargent. I believe it will be difficult for anyone to overtake them. Still a possibility, uh, but I don't know. recall that we've had clear separation two months out um, for those two to at least get penciled in, if not start engraving. Yeah, and, and just to kind of read through the list, and uh, I won't read all 15 names, but we'll start with the Haskins, and I'll just kind of throw out some guys who I think still have a chance because that – that race certainly is closer than the Yannick is right now. You know, Gordon Sargent's got two two wins, um, but one of them is an East Lake Cup, but he's just been so consistent. He's been in the top seven every time he's teed it up. I think Ludwig Aberg still has a shot, um, though he's missed some tournaments. You know, played Bay Hill, so he missed their event in Cabo to do that. Um, he's got a win. He's got a really consistent resume. I think David Ford, um, you know, Stevens Cup win is – is really good. Um, so his resume, I think, still has him in it. Uh, Christian Moss is a, a, another guy who, freshman from Texas, who hasn't won. Um, but again, another really good resume to where if he can throw some wins in there to, to finish out the season, um, his resume could look pretty good. And then Michael Thorpe Morrison. Um, he's, he's got some wins. Um, I believe he won the Olympia Fields event. So that's, that's a really good um, tournament. So, so he's right up in there. So I think it's, it's probably down to about five guys. I know Ben James has won a few events uh, and Gilligan from Long Beach state has won a few events, but I don't know if the strength of schedule for those guys quite warrants them being in the mix. And then Annika Ward, uh, Rachel Keene just won again. Um, so she's probably the closest challenger to Rose Zhang. Um, but Rose, Four wins now. Five, I think. Of, five, five now. Five of six. Five, five of now. six. Five we're, of the past a, six. Hasn't yeah, finished worse than T twelve. Yeah, we're a win away from if she does it again. Then I'm going to start saying this has the chance to overtake Lorena from uh, 21 years ago. It's the greatest college golf season, uh, at least that I've ever witnessed. When she and, won eight of ten and came in second in the other two. And she just uh, this week uh, passed Lydia Ko for most weeks ever at world number one amateur. So 131 weeks now, uh, Lydia Ko is at 130. Um, so that's just another, just another achievement that that Rose uh, keeps keeps checking off, and she's still a sophomore. So um, enjoy it, enjoy it while you can. Because, yeah, uh, I, I have a, I have a, feeling. I have a feeling that in. <laughs> 78 days or whatever it is, that will be it. Uh, I know you wanted to wrap up on March Madness. My wife, my seven-year-old, my nine-year-old, and I all filled out a bracket. It's on the iPad. All I can tell you, because I can't recall the 38 seconds I did to fill it all out, um, (laughs) I have Marquette winning it all. Whoa. Number one seeds don't win. Number one seeds don't win. Um and half of them won't even get to the final four if that. That's just what happens. So I took Marquette as a two seed uh, to win it all. And I can't even tell you what region they're coming out of. I literally Jeez. got home from the players. They wanted me to fill out a bracket, and I just started hitting buttons, and it came out with Marquette. Now, do you do you fill it out on ESPN or CBS or Yahoo? Uh, one of those just so we can all go 
look online, do you, see where do you we click are the information. They they try to help you out there with the, uh, you know, when you click to the right, they try to give Again, you the took, took about thirty eight seconds, and I told my boys that the better seeds don't always win. Now I think they have one and two seeds coming out of every bracket and to each their own. But uh, Marquette, so pencil that in on March fifteenth. We're pumped because I was proactive. We've got tickets for Saturday. It's at the Amway Center, so we're going to oh. the two games. Well, we were supposed to go. There's three some years. good games. I mean, maybe well, not you have Saturday, a potential but, of a, yeah, you've got Thursdays are good. Well, you have the potential of Duke and Tennessee and Virginia, maybe San Diego State. So as long as Tennessee loses, it's a winning day. Uh, as a Gator, I can say that. Uh, but we were supposed to go three years ago. Tampa had the tickets. COVID shut it down. So this is a make good for my boys. We got the tickets a month or two ago. Uh, and we're excited for that. Who, who, so, do you, who do you got? Who do you got so, in the brackets? So Thursday is going to be a big day in Orlando because you mentioned those those four games that we have. I think three of them could be upsets. I think Oral Roberts um, – is it like I think they have like Max? I think it's Abmas um, who's averaging like twenty two points a game, something like that. But they they have this guy from a transfer from Arkansas named Connor Vanover. He's seven. Is he like five. seven five? Yeah. Oh, he's 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 insane. Um, so I think Oral Roberts could upset Duke. I think that Furman could upset Virginia, and I think that Charleston could upset San Diego State. But um, my final four, I got I got Houston and Gonzaga on that side, and I have Creighton and Tennessee on the other side. And then I have Houston beating Creighton. So um, I like I it though. You changed purely it analytics. Yeah. I went purely analytics. Thanks to uh, Rick run. Good. He's a golf data guy. He, he does a, uh, a March madness thing the last four years. And he, he looks at, um, he looks at um, leverage in terms of what the percentage of people are picking teams on ESPN. Cause they give you that data. And then he looks at the 538 probability um, per round, and then he puts it all into the table, and, and he finds the leverage. So I, I I'm running with uh, Rick, and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully he'll he'll be four for four. You know, the analytics say something. I, I'm a gut guy. I'm an instinct guy. Uh, doesn't mean my bracket's any good, um, but I, I I go with feelings, vibes, and see where that gets us. Uh, always good to get back on the train. We'll do it again next week and maybe and have a little animal. Okay, perfect timing. <laughs> perfect timing. Uh, our, thanks, our thanks to Mike Small for joining us this week on College Golf Talk. We'll do it again next week. I uh, hope you can join us again as well. For Brentley, I'm Burko. We'll see you around the corner. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus chews. Selling smoothies is what I do, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.